Welcome to the weekly episode of the Freelancer Codex Podcast. Your host, Steven, and co-hosts Mike, Devin, and JD are all set. Join us and tweet your questions at Freelancer Codex. Find us on Facebook at Freelancer Codex. Or send emails to freelancercodex at gmail.com. Strap into your javelins and let's drop in. Welcome, everybody, to episode 121 of the Freelancer Codex podcast, the longest-running anthem podcast on the internet and in the universe and in the known galaxy. I'm your host, Steve, along with two co-hosts, Devin and Mike, and special guest, Melissa of Bioware. Melissa, I guess I should have asked before we started. It's Janowitz, right? It is Janowitz. Um, yeah, my go-to meeting put me down as Davidson for some reason. I think it auto-scrubbed from somewhere, and then I didn't bother to change it. Can I, I guess I won't worry about it for now. I won't worry about it. Yeah, no problem. I I just wanted to make sure I said it right because it, it's like uh, I know it was Davidson before. You recently got married and then changed to Janowitz, so I just wanted to make sure I got that right because I'm terrible with names. I forget names all the it's time. It's all good. I so to be honest. <laughs> and it is it is kind of a weird name to pronounce. It was funny because when I was in uh, Japan, they constantly did that. You know, they could see them. They'd look at my name and then they'd be like Melissa, and then long pause because they didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <I guess all. laughs> like we'll just call you Melissa. How about that? So Melissa is here and has accepted the chance to come on and talk with us. Melissa, you have been a uh, developer at Bioware for the last three years now. Um, That's right. Anniversary coming up next week, I hear. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. And you were were responsible for some of the enemies in um, that we fought in Anthem. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, so I worked with a really great team on a whole bunch of creatures for Anthem, um, all the way up till ship. And then I moved back um, onto the Dragon Age team. The top, um, which the is top what I was secret with. Dragon Age team, right? Um, I can't. Really, yeah, I can't. I, if it wasn't in the trailer we put out with the video game awards like a couple years ago, I can't talk about it. <laughs> so, Could we, do, don't worry, we will not. Like, like even rumors about what the trailer is, I can't really answer it. Like I can't. I literally can't say anything. So. <laughs> That is perfect. You will get no Dragon Age questions from the three of us. I guarantee that. That is the game that we still need to go back and we need to fill our, backfill that into our, our game log. So, Melissa, thanks for coming on. Again, you've been with Bioware for three years. You've been a game designer for, for many years before that. You've worked in UX, UI, art direction, concept art, business strategy. Other titles you've worked yep. on are um, The Four King Casino, Club Penguin, which is something that I think is super interesting. Like an MMO that yeah, came it, out in 2004? Yeah, it's kind of, a, that That was actually an incredible experience. Because like, um, it, it, by the time I worked there, it was, it was bought by uh, Disney, right? And at the time I was like living in Ontario and they were literally like, do you want to come down for like six months to Kelowna and just like figure it out? And I was like, hell yeah, man. And it ended up becoming like a year. <laughs> and um, my role there was interact, uh, interactive background designers, which was kind of like their fancy name for like mixed art and design. So I would like would draw backgrounds and like um, do the animations for objects. And then I would also um, design features with a team. So like, for example, like the monthly parties. So um, every, like, let's say, for example, they're like, oh, we want to bring back Medieval Party for another year. And I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. And we get to, like, together with the team and kind of talk about how that could work and cool new stuff we could build. Um, and then we'd work with our manager who was like the art director to kind of uh, divvy up that work. Um, and then we did like uh, staged approvals and all that stuff that normally happens on an arts team. Um, and like, we would, we would pump out a party in three weeks. Like they had really, really quick, um, really, really quick pipeline on that team. Um, and I learned a lot. It was, it was a really nice experience. Um, and, and that's really cool because I, I followed you on Twitter for a long time since Anthem was announced. Like I found all the devs that are working on it, found you there, started talking to you. And I, I didn't realize that you did background art because a lot of the stuff that you show on Twitter, you you do normal, um, your digital art. But I didn't know you did background until I got onto your website, saw everything that you did. And I was like, mm-hmm. really, Club Penguin? This is something that I've heard about for a long time. Like people love to talk about Club Penguin because, you know, a lot of people probably grew up playing Club Penguin in high school because it was browser based. So yeah, they... it, it's crazy the longevity of that game. Like, there's been times like I have a Club Penguin boy, like a little like um um like a little hoodie that I still have from the old days. And like there there are times where I like go to the mall or something, and somebody will just be like, "Hey, where did you get that?" And I was like, "Oh, I worked on that," and they lose their their minds. <laughs> like, and I'm like, "Wow, this was like something that I worked on like seven or eight years ago," and people are still like super excited. Like, I. I'm very, very, very flattered um, and beyond humbled that people care so much about Club Penguin and that I got to be a part of it. And I know so many amazing people that like appreciate it as well that worked on that project. So um, yeah, shout out to those fans. Thank you all so much. Um, 
<laughs> and, and, I, and I'm still impressed awesome. be, because there's still um, fan servers that because I think Disney is no longer running Club Penguin, but there's still fan fan servers out there that people are still playing the game. So I think oh, yeah, that's a testament true. to great design that people still, after you know a company closes something down, they're like, no, we're going to keep playing this game because we love it, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I feel the same. I feel the same way, and it's crazy because like it's that stuff's not legal, obviously, right? Um, <laughs> and I. I like, you know, there was one, there, like, I volunteer at, like, uh, kids' summer camps in the summer, and, like, I got questioned about the private servers, and I just kind of blurted out, like, that's illegal, and shocked, uh, like, a room full of eight-year-old children. Oh, no. <laughs> we don't want to go to jail. We just want our penguins. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So very cool. So so real quick, we would also like to thank our patrons that have been supporting us um, now, especially more than more than ever in this time of, you know, uncertainty. A lot of people are losing their jobs. We really wanted to thank our patrons. So thanks, Julius, Nathan B., Michael R., Trent B., Man in Still, Scout69, Tony K., Volkai, and Jerry Hollingsworth. Thank you so much for continuing to support the podcast. It means a ton to us. Um, without you all, this would be a lot harder and a lot less enjoyable to do because knowing that we have support from a lot of people makes makes all the difference. So thank you to all our patrons. We really appreciate it. So before we jump on... I kind of and get to ask it because I got a lot of questions for you, Melissa. Um, I mean, you've done everything in the game industry. You're doing your own um, little side thing to help support other game devs. Um, Before doing that, I kind of want to know what you're playing currently um, because I think more than most people that I have talked to on Twitter, you play a lot of games. Oh yeah, like well, especially like with with the unfortunateness that's going on right now. Like, there's kind of nothing better to do right than to buy a few games and just try them out. Um, so I've, I put like a hundred hours in the animal crossing since the, um, we went to work from home status, like about almost two weeks ago now. Wow. Time flies. Yeah. But yeah. So since then it's kind of like, well, you know, animal crossing, I cleared Final Fantasy seven remaster and like, oh, what, what else? There's an RPG. There's a few RPGs on switch that I've been like trying. I revisited Final Fantasy eight recently, which has um, been, been pretty fun. Um, and oh, there's another one, but I forget what it's called. And I feel bad because it actually wasn't, it actually was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, it's like a steampunk theme one that's like super 2D pixel, pixel art. And you like, you like all your weapons and armor, like augment you. And then you get um. powers from it. Um, Hold on, actually. <laughs> I, I'm just going to boot my switch and I'll literally tell you what it was. No problem. I don't, cause, yeah, because I don't, I can't think of what, which one that would be. Um, um. Oh, Cosmic Star Heroine. That's what it was. So I did enjoy that. I put like 60 hours into Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX as well. <laughs> wow. See, so, like, it, it blows my mind how much gameplay, because um, Final Fantasy Remaster just recently came out, and you've already cleared that. That's 40 plus hours. And I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing you probably did all the side stuff, because that wouldn't be something that you skipped. Okay. Um, I kind of felt like, like I played through it once, right? And then like at the end, they're like, oh, you can play on hard mode. You can like get all the dresses for all the characters in this one part and like do all this stuff. <laughs> I looked at it and I was kind of like, oh, you know, this is kind of like uh, busy, like a little bit busy work. I was like, there, I can be playing other other games. I tend to play most of the time. I play a game long enough to like really understand all the gameplay, and then I kind of move on to something else. Um, but like, yeah, with like with Final Fantasy VII, I was very invested in the story. So I just like I just really wanted to know what they were gonna do with all the story beats and where they were gonna like leave off and stuff and how they were gonna make certain um, creative decisions at a higher fidelity. So. Um, when I, once I kind of figured all that out, I was like, all right, time to move on to the next one. Um, so I did really love it, though. It was a fantastic so game. So <laughs> how, how was it going from 7 Remake and how beautiful that game looks to back to playing Final Fantasy VIII? Because that's kind um, of like, I mean, you got to kind of switch your brain off and be like, oh. Because I, for me, like I, I, started, I went back and started playing Final Fantasy XV and I'm playing Final Fantasy VI. But it's kind of like, man, this game, Final Fantasy VI, could look like Final Fantasy VII Remake someday, right? But it could, and I would love that. I would buy that. Square Square needs to get on that. Like that game, I love Final Fantasy VI, and I love four. Like I love all the old Final Fantasies. Like I, I really enjoyed when they did three and four remastered on DS. Do you remember that? Yep. Like I loved four when I was like a really little kid, and when it came out on DS, I totally bought that and I cleared that too. And I was, I, I like the aesthetic is like super simple, but still like a huge upgrade over what existed before, and like. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, with eight, um, I'm willing to kind of like, I'm willing to forgive is kind of the, the main thing. Yeah. Like I know it's a really old game. Um, I love the, there's a meme that, that used to go around of like when, um, when, when uh, the main character, like 
the, the main female character is talking to the main male, male character and she's just like you're the most handsome guy here and it's just like three polygons it's like yeah. a close-up of his face it's just like one <laughs> one triangle and that's it <laughs> like i remember being like 15 or something and like put it turning on final fantasy 8 and then turning it on just to watch the opening cutscene, and then i would literally be like that's the most amazing art i've ever seen and then i would just turn it on. you're like it can't get better than this right seeing uh um watching squall and i forget i forget the other his his nemesis you know in the what? beginning what his what his oh. name was oh my um, god why can't i i'm so bad with names i yeah because i actually just started revisiting that and i forget the guy's name now too uh, I, I, I just called him the uh, he, he had the nine millimeter uh, gun blade, so that's that's how I remember him. But you know, it's like those. It it's awesome to see that Square is actually putting in because, like, I'll be honest, I was not a believer that they'd be able to pull off remaking Final Fantasy VII, one of the most beloved games ever. But by all accounts, they just kind of knocked it out of the park, and everyone's excited to see what's going to happen. The only the only question I have is if are they ever going to release everything? Because it took them this long to get the first part out. That's a lot of game that they still have left to go. Yeah, I'm optimistic yeah. though. Like you know, they shipped parts <laughs> three. They they shipped a lot of projects like really recently that like were in the works for a long time, and like now that they finished the first Final Fantasy VII game, like they'll have the pipelines that they need to finish the other two. So for those reasons, I feel really, really optimistic that they're going to like, they'll, they'll actually finish it. Um, a lot of people keep joking like, Oh, it'll take another five years. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it'll be sooner. As long um, as we can add in that ray tracing. So yeah, for, because I'm, hopefully, I mean, it's got to come next gen, right? I can't imagine they put it back. They put it on the uh, PlayStation four for, so, um, so real quick, Devin, we'll ask you what you've been playing and then we'll, before we jump into asking way more questions of Melissa. So Devin, what are you playing currently? Uh, what am I playing? I am playing alien isolation, um, to torture myself for the stream. Uh, so because I stream that and, uh, they can watch and laugh me. Laugh at me as I scream. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the bullet on that one for us. Because that's funny. I don't like scary games. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that, I've been playing that. Uh, I've taken a break for about five days. Got to get over the last session. Uh, but you just got to do it, playing, Rip that yeah, band off. Just, just get it done. But uh, I've been playing a lot of Sea of Thieves. i got some new content coming out. I love playing that with my, my friends and... Uh, it's just a good time. And uh, before that, I was playing Call of Duty, but um, I really like to play Sea of Thieves. They bring out new content almost monthly, and it's crazy just, you know, how much you can do in a game where you just sail around and do stuff. But You just get to make your own story. That's the main catch, right? You get to make your own exactly. story. Exactly. We make our own story every time. So. Very cool. Mike, what have you been up to? Oh man, I have been I have been up to fighting allergies and I have been up to um Luke and I, uh my son, we play Forza together. We just got the Legos Speed Edition, so we're playing that. We got that little bonus pack. We're playing that. We play a lot of Forza. Um we're in a Minecraft kind of um mood, so we we do Minecraft every day and and it's fun. Pretty simple games, we're home with all the kiddos. It kind of they kind of eat into your gaming um, time and you usually end up playing what they want to play because that's how harmony is kept in the home. So, but it's fun. It's fun. I like racing games. I like Forza and Minecraft. It, they, it blows me away how, how well they navigate through everything in Minecraft and just their button movements and just selecting all the things and customizing all the homes and, how everything is all set up it just blows me away how how adept they are to video games already because i was not when i was their age so it's true you it's were. fun to watch them go through it but but I, I like you said i'm surprised at how fast they are at building things in minecraft when it takes me like you you have to do what how many blocks and they just build and they're super fast at it so very cool they're, they're super fast and, and kai's like wow i i i build i build a fifth story without even knowing it i'm like how do you not know that you're building a fifth story <laughs> but yeah it, it's fun watching them that i think one of the best parts as a parent is that they are cooperating when they're playing together and they aren't fighting back and forth so it's definitely a great bonus when your kiddos can get along while they play video games so i agree so so the only thing that I've been playing, I've been playing Final Fantasy 15 for the first time. Um, I saw because you can play it through Game Pass right now, and everyone's playing Final Fantasy 7, and I don't have a PlayStation 4 yet. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll just go play Final Fantasy 15 since I've never played it. That has to be like one of the most different Final Fantasy entries 
in the series so far that it's kind of Melissa. I don't know if you've played Final Fantasy 15 and completed it and what your thoughts I on that game were. Uh, yeah, it's on my list. Like, there's a lot of people at, at work who've been encouraging me to try it. I have not played it yet. Um, I heard it's pretty good. Um, I do hear it kind of falls apart in the second half, and there's a lot of unused content. It sounds interesting. It it is very it is very weird. I'll I'll be interested when you get to it because I am at, I mean, you play games like like a crazy person. Like I don't know how you get through so many <laughs> games, but when when you when you do get through it, I'd love to talk to, with you about it. So and I've been doing my yearly replay of Final Fantasy VI because I can't get enough of that game. So playing the original, uh, I'm I'm actually doing it through emulation illegally, but I own the cart, so it's not illegal, right? I if I own the actual <laughs> physical thing, I can get the ROM. I think that's how that works. So. So Melissa, real quick, what whatever you say. Yeah, I mean that's how I'm going to justify my actions anyway, right? That's how I will sleep better tonight. Um Melissa, what drew you to video games in the first place? Uh, you know what? It's crazy. Like I was like um when I was like 13, I just really wanted to do it. Like I just I I don't know. I just decided one day that I was going to do it and I think a big part of it actually had to do with just like I saw how it was like bringing people together. Like this was during like the Pokémon era. So like just seeing like all the people, like everybody, like becoming, like being friends and like having fun. And like, I was already a gamer back then. And I mostly played RPGs back then, like turn-based RPGs. So I was playing a lot of like Super Mario RPG or like Chrono Trigger, Earthbound, like those kinds of games. And like, um, I don't know. I just kind of realized like, I love it. I got to do it. And like my, my, my parents were just like, yeah, that's, that's cool. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And um, I, I grew like, like, and I just went, I don't know. I don't know. I just never changed my mind. That was pretty much it. And I was and then, like throughout high school, I was always like, should I be an engineer or should I be like an artist? Right. So that was like more of like more of the turmoil in my head. Like I never like strayed from the path of wanting to make video games, but I was always kind of like, what part of video games do I actually want to do? Um, and then I ended up going to animation school um, for better or for worse. If I could have done it again, I probably would have gone to engineering school, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, so. Yeah. So, Very nice. so I guess of you know, when you started, like, how, how did you get into the industry? Was it just, okay, did you, like, start writing? Did you start designing your own games yourself before you got in? Like, how, what was your pathway to where you got, to where you are now? So, um, I went to animation school, and then um, I went to graduate school, um, so I got a full ride there, and then, like, when I graduated, um, th- that was the month the recession hit in 2008, so I was like, oh, shit, there's no jobs, so yeah. I was just kind of like, well, now what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> and like, nobody in my class had a job. Like everybody was scrambling the whole industry. Like I was from Toronto. Right. So the whole industry in Toronto was shut down, like for animation and video games. And I was like, um, so what I basically did was I like started working. I, I like, I just started like working as a for hire artist on anybody who needed assets for a game. Um, so I, I made a whole bunch of Xbox 360 live arcade games of various levels of quality. Um, most of them are pretty questionable. Um, and then I, <laughs> <laughs> the art assets from that those games to talk my way like i i started um i started working with a developer friend that i made um at, from the like a university and we started make shipping like little um um ipod games um and this was and like um um i like ipod like ipod touch games and stuff and this okay. was like at the very beginning of that market so we like that's how i was making like my food money so like we'd ship one like every two or three months and like we'd make a little bit of extra scratch i'm talking like three to five hundred bucks each a month and then we'd wow. I'd use that for like money and stuff and then, um, yeah, I had, and I started like just having a lot of really small games businesses with different people that were like very experimental. Um, and then I used my portfolio from all of those games and talked my way into, um, getting a art job at a studio out of San Diego and they were making Facebook games. Um, so I was like their lead artist and they were like super small. Um, and they were trying to, it was funny because at the time they were they were describing themselves as the Bioware of um of Facebook games. Nice. So they were trying to make um which was yeah which is kind of funny in retrospect. So like we were working on this game that was similar to Office Space. So like if you picture like everybody logs in the their Facebook account and then you each get assigned a cubicle, but you're all executives, and then every day you get these executive orders. And it had like a lot of story all around this, but you get these executive orders, and they were all ridiculous stuff like um um you know you get. Um, you get more hours of sunlight in your cubicle, but in return, like the lights have to be turned off in everybody's cubicle for two hours a day. And you, <laughs> just like all kinds of stupid stuff like that. And you could like decorate your cubicle and send other people like cubicle gifts and stuff. Um, so I worked on that for like eight months. And then unfortunately, like um, that, that studio got can't like shuttered. Uh, and at around the, the same time, there was another big client that I had for like another, another game they were trying to make um, at the time, there was a big engine called Torque, but it wasn't getting supported anymore. So they were trying to make the torque killer and then they were working on a demo 
for that engine. So I was like a big part of that. And unfortunately, like they folded and the Facebook game studio folded within like, um, within like a week of each other. And at the time I was like, oh shit, now what am I going to do? Right. Um, and it happened that I had gone to E3 that year and I met mm-hmm. people from Disney. Um, so I emailed them and I was kind of like, Hey, like I need a job. Um, what do I have to do to have a portfolio that's good enough? And they were like, yo, you're already good enough. They were like, do you want to work on Club Penguin? And I was like, yeah, man. So that's how I ended up out there. That's awesome. <laughs> and after that, I moved back to Toronto and then like my career was kind of established at that point and I got to work for a lot of companies. So, Wow. I mean, that, that sounds exhausting. That's, that's a lot of work. I mean, that's from project to project. That's wow. Because normally like we, you hear a lot of the people they are like, Hey, I was in the right place at the right time. Like, it sounds like you put in the work, you were out there working anything that you could. That's, that's kind of a cool story to get to where you are. Cause right now, I mean, you're working at one of the biggest um, game developers that there is, you know, it's just Bioware, right? I mean, it's just Bioware. I mean, that's one of the biggest was Bioware ever like a dream for you. Like this is one of the places I have to work. It was always on my short list. Like I love RPGs. So I always wanted to work at an RPG studio. And like for a long time, like, you know, I worked on Club Penguin, which I'm really proud I worked on that. But like working in kids games was never like actually my dream. And then I came back to Toronto and then I worked in casual games or casino games. And then like literally like anything, I, anything that they needed, like an extra pair of hand, hands on and I could make some money. I was working on it. So it, like and then like but, and like literally like I was like, well, maybe maybe I'll never make an RPG, you know, and I was like at peace with it but then like one day I was in a position like I I came home I remember I came home one day and I asked like my husband like and at the time he was my fiance I was like if I just like applied all over in Canada would you like come with me and he was like hell yeah he was like (laughs) absolutely and I was like okay and I like I sat down and I made like a list of developers that I wanted to work at in Canada and like Bioware was like near the top like pretty much the top and I was like I remember like they had gameplay designer openings and I like cold applied and I literally was like, yeah, never hearing from them again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like in my um, studio, like I was working at a studio at the time and I was like in charge of, I was basically in like, they called me a game, like the, my role title was game design architect. Well, but really I was kind of like a, I was like a mixed lead designer, producer, like whatever they needed that day kind of person. Right. Um, and then also leading a team. Um, and like, I was in my office and I, I, I like get this call and I look at my phone and it literally just says Bioware. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so in my office, they have, in my old office, they had these two, this like, um, you ever see like one of those offices where it's all glass on the sides? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was all glass. And then like this little skinny hallway and at the front, there was like this like literal gla- little glass box where reception was and the receptionist was gone. So I pick it up and I'm talking and I'm walking, I walk right into that box. But the trouble is, is I'm very excitable. So like the more this, this recruiter's telling me about how like they want to interview me and like get to know me, <laughs> I'm getting more and more excited. So like I, at the, by the end, I'm like totally losing it. Right. And, and, and like, I didn't even notice like what was going on around me. And I like hung up and I'll never forget. Like I look up and there's a glass, like the glass immediately in front of me. There's like my entire team, their faces pressed up against oh, no. the glass. <laughs> <laughs> I, walk, I walk out there and they're like, so who was that? <laughs> no one, no one, no but like they were telling me like at that time they would like they were in a position where they like weren't interested in making another game so like i had already had the conversation with that studio because like they wanted me to work on a tv show with them like as a producer and then i was kind of like like i think i'm good like i think i need to keep making games and this isn't what i want to do with my career um so like they knew i was applying around so i just kind of like was straight up i was like yeah that was bioware um and i'm gonna interview with them and i think it might be really good and they were like oh okay um and then they tried to come at me later and say that they wanted to make another game. And it's funny because I think they actually have reopened their their games division. Um, anyway, I hope it works out for them, but I'm not there. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nah, we're not going to make games. Yeah, or now we are going to make games. Well, that's really cool. So um, on top of working at Bioware, you also started Yegfem Dev. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the work that you guys are doing um, with that? Yeah, so um, basically, uh, we... They, uh, me, like I, it's a group for women and um, um, gender diverse individuals uh, in the video games industry um, that are local. Like, and we mostly attract people who are local to Edmonton. And we um, we have or we had in person meetups. And I'm looking at um, exploring options for um, for digital meetups. And uh, I'm gonna probably gonna announce some plans for that soon. Um, so I'm in talks with like some different groups such as uh, Edmonton Twitch to kind of like co co run some online um, meetups and stuff. So I think that might be really interesting. And there's some other stuff that we have planned. Um, 
um, some digital talks that we're looking at in future and stuff. Um, but yeah, so that started about two years ago and, um, it really just started as like me wanting to get all the, um, like, like get people together. Cause like, there's a lot of groups in Edmonton that are just kind of like trying to make the first game. Uh, it's a pretty young industry here in Alberta. Um, just like that are just like under five people and just trying to make their first game and figure it out. And, um, I know how that feels and I think it's great to just bring together that community and like get people like even just emotional support and emotional support can just be like people talking about what they're dealing with right now and, and on their project. And it could be anything from like, um, you know, Oh, I can't figure out how to do this thing in unity. And then someone else pipes up and they're like, Oh, actually I've been through that and blah, blah, blah. And then the person goes home and they try it and they're like, Oh, sh- Oh shoot. Like I, I figured this out now. Or it could be like, oh, I'm actually looking for a job. And then like, um, there's another little studio. It's like, actually, I need, I need an artist for X, Y, Z. And the person like gets a job from it. Um, so like, there's a, there's a lot of benefits from like kind of building that kind of community. Um, and I've made a lot of really important friendships, like people who really matter to me a lot through that group. Um, so that, that's kind of our main focus. And we run it out of uh, analog brewing com- uh, company. They have a microbrewery and like a little tasting room. Um, nice. uh, and it, it's, it's fantastic. Like Brian's been like a huge supporter to us. And as, as, as us Bioware, um, uh, I, yeah, it's just been a, a really nice experience. Um, and cool. yeah, we're just going to keep that community and that, that's awesome because I, like you said, it's, it's gotta be scary to like, Hey, I'm going to go into the game industry and I'm going to make a game. Right. And if you, if you're mm-hmm. new at that, you don't know what you're doing, like having support from people that are like willing to give advice or to help or network with people, that's gotta be huge. Especially if you were a okay. smart little group. Because like everything that game developers do looks like magic to me and it looks almost impossible because like, you know, you have a, you have giant teams like Bioware and you got smaller teams that are putting out amazing content. So I think that's pretty awesome. So that's, that's pretty cool that you guys are doing that. I hope it continues to grow and you continue to get more and more support. That's pretty amazing. So me too. And I'm sure, I'm sure we, we will, we'll keep, we'll keep it going. And like, especially like, I I can't wait for us to start having in-person meetings again. Like I know we can't do it right now. Um, but like the second we we are, I'm gonna be like so so pumped to see everybody again in person. I've been having like video chats with a lot of my regulars when I have the opportunity to, and it's it's been really good. Um, yeah, I miss everybody a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I've, this this quarantine is tough. So real quick, Melissa. So you've worked on the you worked on Anthem, um, worked on um, Enemy Design. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience working on Anthem? what you learned during that whole experience, what your favorite um, javelin is. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm just going to say you're a storm main because everyone's a storm main, right? That's Yeah. Cool. Oh my God. So like, actually, I actually am a storm main, which is really funny. I actually like ranger too. But the reason why is because like the default testing character was the ranger. So like you just get really good at him after a while. Because yeah. like you're just using him all the time. So I'm really used to like his locomotion and how he feels. It just feels like, like, you know, like it fits me like a glove at this point. Because he's, like, he's the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, best. yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I started actually started working on Anthem pretty uh, like it, during production. So like I was not involved involved with pre production on that project. Um, and they just needed some more people to help uh, finish up a whole bunch of creatures um, and help plan for a bunch of creatures. So uh, I signed myself up and uh, got suited up, rocketed off into space with that team. Uh, <laughs> and it was a really it was a good experience like I, I i made a lot of friends through that group and like um and they're people that i'm still working with now um which is great as well um really really talented guys and um yeah i just we did like hmm what part of what part of the um what part of it do you want to know about specifically so, so um, what is more what, about yeah what is the, the process like, of creating a creature and bringing it to life in anthem i mean there's concept art then you got to 3d model it i mean what what part were you involved in and you know how what were some of the big takeaways that you that you're going to take into the dragon age team i don't i mean in a roundabout way without talking about dragon age yeah it's it, the last part's really hard for me to answer without breaking nda um so i'm probably going to keep that part super light and i apologize in advance because like i can't there's a lot of stuff you can just go over like in general like how how you go from concept art modeling and bringing it into engine maybe just in general so you don't have to focus on like yeah i mean speaking in general terms like even before there's a model or like a character or anything we kind of get together and like we have a pod team um a small team of like uh creature designers basically uh or gameplay designers and we kind of talk about like uh the greater concept concepts that we're trying to achieve within a, a creature palette so that's like um a creature palette would be like uh, a handful of creatures that fit under like one group. So for example, like all the scars, they got discussed as one group, if that makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they all fulfilled different roles. 
but we're meant to work together and like as, as a faction, as like a group. So um, we, so like people get assigned different factions and then the, uh, we have like uh, brainstorming meetings and then we have like, we start building that out. And then often we like, we use temporary assets to kind of build that stuff out. Um, so before, and this is before like we even show, like get it to a 3D artist or anything. Um, and it's at this point that we start, when we're building out concepts, we start showing it to our concept artists and they start getting really excited and they're like, oh dude, what about this? Or what if it looked like this and had this cool detail and like like this color and I'm like, and then like you're bouncing it back and forth and getting really excited. And then like, it's at, once that gets signed off and then on your gameplay concept gets signed off, that's when you um, get, it gets assigned to a 3D modeler and then they start building it. And then you also have like your technical, uh, your technical artists. So they're doing like the, the rigging. Um, so like, I don't know how, how much you guys know about 3D art, uh, but basically like there's the, the model and then the texture and then any maps on top that like kind of fake different real life effects. So you can have a, like, a, a lower poly model, but get away with way more than you or like have and then shaders. And then you've got like the actual skeleton. So like, like bones inside of you and me, that's, that exists in every single creature in Anthem. So like um, somebody builds that and then um, there's animators that like use those rigs and build out animations. So like I'm showing them, like I'm showing animators once we get started getting those assets, like this is what I was building and this is the kind of performance I was hoping for. And this is all the stuff that he does, this cool creature. And then they get excited and then they're like, oh, can I like, you know, like he feels like he should be super snappy and quick and I'm gonna make him go wham, bam. And I'm like, go for it, man. And then they bring me back a bunch of assets and then I'm implementing them over top of the old model, the old assets. And then during this time, we have a rigorous review process where we're kind of like constantly showing it to people um, like design leadership or like project leadership and they're sending notes. And then we're receiving those notes and kind of like, um, making it work better kind of with like the um, overarching vision of the game. Um, so that, that's pretty much my, that's pretty much like what I do um, day to day. Um, and that's pretty much how the, the process works. Um, I, like w- one of the big learnings that I, I took from Anthem was like um, learning how to work in the engine a lot nicer. Um, Cause we do use a proprietary engine um, mm-hmm. beyond that. I, I'm going to stay really tight lipped about what I learned because no, no, no problem. I just don't want to. I, I don't want to risk breaking NDA. So, yep. so the flying scar. That guy's a real big jerk. <laughs> Whose fault is that for making him as big of a jerk as he is? Right? Like, who can you point oh us God. to to be like, hey, <laughs> this guy shreds oh. a storm shield so fast? Okay, so I actually think I, I know. I think I know who it is, and he's not with Byer anymore. And I'm. I'm <laughs> so. Um, were, so what palette were you in? So were you on a specific team for the scars or were you over dominion or did you kind of get to play with all the different, um, enemies in Anthem? I got to jump around kind of all over the place. Um, they were uh, like, it was kind of a position where like they were trying to, uh, final the game or like we I was through fine. I went through finaling, but there was also the production, um, cycle before then. So I was in like both of those on Anthem and like during, like during that time, like most of the creatures were decided on. So like, it was just about like building them out and making sure that the design like worked and um and like was the best possible design for that creature you know what i mean yeah so like um i was bouncing around all over the place as a result um so i, I got to work on a little bit of um a little bit of all most like, like most factions um i know that sounds very very generic i apologize but no that's fine like, do you have, I, do you have I, a favorite like, do you have a favorite enemy from anthem that was like hey this is the one that i really enjoyed working on because it looks cool it's a good question. I almost want to say, oh my god! Actually, you know what? The the, the the creature that I have the most memories of is actually the wolf, which is the funniest thing. <laughs> so, so, like the, the, the wolf, the frost wolf. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's such like a minor, small time kind of guy, but like, and I just went through like I went through a lot with that creature, and like a lot of the technical learnings that I have now actually came out of that creature. Um, that in the badger. The badger. <laughs> It's funny. I I worked on like I worked on so much since, but just like my like the, oh my god, the badger is like the um I don't even remember what what, he, what name he shipped with, but that guy who shocks people with the quills. Oh, the oh, Tesla. Yeah. That was the first thing that I worked <laughs> yeah. on. It, wait, the Tesla. Oh yeah, yeah that is yeah. what it's called. So we used yeah. to call it the badger, and like <laughs> I have like okay, so literally like that was the first creature that I worked on in Frostbite, and like. I just have so many memories of like working with like the, like the guy that I worked with on that. I'm still working with him today. And like, 
we joke about that creature all the time. Like, it's funny because like all the, all the creatures that I have like the best memories of are all ones where we have like lots of like in jokes. I have yeah. lots of in jokes with specific people at the studio about. Um, and it's funny that they're all wild, like, like wildlife adjacent, but yeah, there was, oh my God. I always call that the best sniper in the game because uh, no <laughs> matter cool. what I do. If you that's... think that's bad, there was, there was one day where somebody like somebody in systems design did like a complete retool. Like this was like six months before ship. Somebody did a complete uh, pass and retool on, um on all the damages in the game. And then I didn't know about it. And like, I've never, like everyone was so mad about the, the Tesla. <laughs> like, kill you. Why am I getting one shot by this badger? Yeah. Long since moved on from that creature, so like I, did, I, I wasn't even thinking about it, and then like somebody in QA comes up and he's just like, um, Melissa. <laughs> so Melissa, you're the jerk that made the Tesla too strong. Yeah, they were like, this is all your like. You need to fix this, and I was like, oh god. Like, well, you should have sent me a memo telling you were retooling damage types. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like a one click change and it was fixed but like it caused so much drama i think sorry that, like that, that's sorry awesome. to anybody that affected who may be seeing this stream but i do think it's hilarious <laughs> so you do find joy in our pain is that what you're telling is that what you're telling us uh, yeah that is what i'm saying <laughs> but but going back to the woofin as um like a character like a creature that you worked on i mean that was one of the first the first creature that we saw from the 2017 e3 reveal that's the first enemy in the game that we ever saw so that's got to be kind of cool that you're like hey i worked on that thing that's the first thing anyone enemy everyone anyone saw in anthem was something that you worked on yeah, so that's pretty awesome you mentioned it that is really cool like and like they're in they're in the game quite a bit as well like it's it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty um and they do look cool like visually um so yeah visually they look cool they are also one of the coolest sounding creatures because they have the howl which is super cool i don't know who worked on it when we talked with presley um we got to talk Mm -hmm. to her and she did a lot of work with with a lot of the creatures i think she she enjoyed the grab it the most um but that's pretty awesome i mean that's we We've played a lot of hours fighting against these enemies. And like Devin said, the Teslar has got to be one of the biggest pains because it just, <laughs> man, it is such a good shot. It can hit you from anywhere. So yep. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Oh, I no, always I... made it a point to go back and kill it. I was like, all right, you can snap me. I don't think you're <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> you're, everything that I'm seeing on screen says that you're not sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so and my- we lost her. She <laughs> give her a second. Give her you, a second for composure. You so. broke Melissa. I just building very difficult Ooh. encounters, so I'm I am kind of known for that. I mean, that's good. We need we need more difficult <laughs> encounters. So speaking of difficult yeah. encounters, Melissa, you have five siblings, right? Right. So how many fights bro- broke out in your home over who gets to play video games and who beat who in Smash Brothers? I mean, that's got to be. <laughs> like constantly well like okay so when we were kids like the super nintendo was the hot thing right and i i like i remember i had an uncle um who came like to visit us and he, he was like yeah the super nintendo was like the greatest thing ever and it was like brand new and he like showed us zelda so like zelda zelda 3 was the first game i ever played and like my our family like fell in love immediately and they like my dad surprised us with one shortly afterward and um how, how my mom dealt with it like dealt with a lot of the fights was that she put us all on shifts so she was like you can only play for an hour at a time and she like like forced us to cycle out every hour which was good because it let us it gave us time to do homework and stuff um but we we, we would get into like we would get into pretty passionate fights about like deleting save data because oh, there's like no. most yeah. most people back then only had lots and then there was like six of us right so <laughs> so it would just become like like either like two of us would share a save slot or it would be like and then like like swap off and we, we would do that i would do that often with like uh one of my brothers my younger brother on like video games like we did that even into the n64 era so like my first time ever playing like a lot of the uh, Final Fantasy games for PlayStation and like Zelda 64 and Majora's Mask, it was like me and my brother like taking an hour each playing, but then passing the controller back and forth and then watching it together. And then like um, we would read from the guide, like we would always buy the guide for the- during that year and then we would like read from the guide to each other and stuff. So like it was a really good like bonding experience. Um, 
that's but that's yeah, similar to how Stephen and I did it. He would just nice. not let me play, and I would just have to read everything to him. And he would say, "No, this is this is how this game is done." And then he would hand me the controller that was unplugged. You know how the like toddlers, and he's like, "No, you're doing really good, Mike." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm doing really good at this." We have we have way different memories, you and I, for some reason. I mean, it's no wonder this is the way you play nowadays when we're playing in multiplayer. You're like, is this controller even plugged in right now? What's going on? A negative. Leave his KDA alone, Devin. That's just me. So, so Melissa, for you, getting like your own game save slot is was like almost like getting a, your own apartment, right? You're like, finally, I get to, I, I'm free. I get to play the game the way I want to play it. <laughs> Oh, 100%. And, like, it's crazy because, like, I I remember, like, I asked for a Game Boy when I was a kid. And, like, I received it. And, like, nobody else in my family cared about it. So it was, like, my thing. You know what I mean? Like, when you have that many siblings, you share literally everything. And I would, like, go around the house and, like, squirrel away all the double A's and, like, drive my parents crazy. And I'd be, like, hiding out under a blanket in my bedroom, like, playing Super Mario Brothers, like, Super Mario and, like, Kirby <laughs> Dreamland and stuff. Um, and then eventually Pokemon because I was, like, big into that. Um yeah, I was like kind of like a handheld fanatic during that year just because it was so um, it was something that I could have just for myself, essentially. Did you have um, the uh, magnifying glass attachment for the Game Boy that had the flip out lights and uh, everything? I did. And it was so shit. <laughs> like, it, it was, it was, but it was the best like, that we had. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm talking about? The one that like had the magnifying glass and yep. the light, mm-hmm. and the oh, yeah. but it like was really bad because like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you're going through, like, two contact layers. So, like, there's no way it's ever going to be good. So, and then I had, like, a bunch of the other accessories. Like, I remember, like, I, when I got the Game Boy Color, like, I was obsessed with that, too. And I had, like, the warm light and, like, a bunch yep. of other mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I had Game Shark for that one, which was, like, super Did you have the fun. printer? Um, I actually didn't have the printer. And I kind of wish I did because it looked really cool. Um, the, the printer I was really excited had... about the camera for when they had, well, was it from there or... The Nintendo 64, because they were going to do, originally, unless you put your face in the game for Perfect Dark or Golden A, and that got canned. Yeah, and they had that, they had an artist game that was canceled in Japan as well for that era, where it was like, um, you could put your face in it and then play games, and like, do like, painting and stuff, which sounded kind of... That's too real. (laughs) No. Yeah, it's too real with our flat texture for the face. But um, no, so the Game Boy, the Game Boy printer, they had the Game Boy printer on the Game Boy Pocket because you could play and you could print pictures of Link from um, Link's Awakening. So they did have it during that time. So it was it wasn't the best printer, but they did have that printer back then. <laughs> so so Melissa, you have played a ton of games in 2018 so what i what i like to do on the show i like to do a lot of dumb games and dumb quizzes so this is what i did in 2018 you wrote a blog of like 70 games you completed that year right do you remember this blog okay yeah i do remember it okay so just full full disclosure it's not games i completed it's games i played so some of them like and keep in mind like my normal strategy is just to play for long enough to understand all the gameplay and then i bounce off to the next one so some of the games on that list i only play for like an hour so just full disclosure so i may not be able to answer all your questions about every game but i'll try these are super (laughs) specific in-depth end game no these are these are pretty simple this is this is just hey i'm gonna read the description off the back of the box i mean i got these all from steam or wherever you could find these games because some of them aren't on steam so i'm gonna read the description of the game and hopefully it's mm-hmm. going to jog your memory and you just have to tell me what game it was that you played because oh, you you played some of the weirdest sounding games I have ever read, right? Because <laughs> you played some weird stuff, Melissa. All right, so some of these are going to be really easy. I'll blank out the na- I'll blank out anything that really gives it away, all right? So this is this all is right. the first question. All right, so Blank is a roguelite Metroidvania inspired action platformer. You'll explore a sprawling, ever-changing castle assuming you're able to fight your way past its keeper in 2d souls light combat no checkpoints kill die learn repeat is it dead cells that is dead cells i need to i need to have like a uh let's see i i need to have a sound on here when you get something right let me see here it is nope here i'll use this one that's for when you get it right and this is when you miss it but i won't use that one because you're not going to miss any of these all right number two this one (laughs) This one's weird, okay? All heads up, this one's weird. So this one, lost in an alternate dimension, blank must collect enough shares to get back home. Sounds easy, 
except the seven sages went to rid gaming industry of CPUs, including blank. Help defeat them and return her to her own world in this JRPG or be stuck in the 80s forever. Oh, that sounds so familiar. It's not Cthulhu Saves the World, is it? No, it's not that. There's not- Oh, this has I know, this has like one of the most Japanese Japanese tongue. names ever. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember. Is it? Uh, There's like seven words in the title. There's a three in the title also. Oh, is it? okay, okay, okay. I'm just trying to remember. Uh. There's there is a. Uh, is it? It's not Breath of Death, is it? No, so this is Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 3 oh, 5 Generation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a name. Okay, oh my goodness. So like, I remember why, why I played that game. It was because like, um, I watch a lot of anime, and then people kept making jokes about the series, and then it was on sale for $3. So I was like, yeah, man, I'll check that out. And then I played <laughs> it for like two hours, and I was like, I think I'm good. <laughs> yep, I'm checking out of this one. All right, number three. So Blank... This And this is an interesting sounding game. Blank is the number one operating system for daily tasks, such as skeleton smashing, loot organizing, trouble sorting through all your potions and swords. Don't worry. Blank can help you manage. And with an easy to use interface, you'll have time left over for a peaceful stroll through the underworld. Okay. Um, I know the game. And I'm trying to remember what it's called. Just give me one second. Because it's like, I know it's, um, I know it's an adult swim game. It's yep. Kingsway. Yep. Kingsway. Yeah. That is correct. Well done. That, I am impressed. <laughs> I okay. got like every ending in that game. It was like, it was good. Uh, I liked it. That is an interesting <laughs> looking game. Like, um, because it all looks like it's on a DOS interface where you're actually playing a game inside of a computer. If I'm, if I'm correct, yeah. right. Yeah, like, I don't want to spoil it, but that's basically what it is. It's, like, you're in, like, a 2D, like, retro, early, like, late 1980s-style, like, RPG game. Um, and then, like, there's a t- constantly a, a clock ticking down, and there's, like, a ton of stuff that happens. And a lot of it's, like, kind of randomized. Um, so, like, there's, like, you can go in, like, a dungeon, for example, and find, like, a randomized sword and, like, some other stuff. And then you can spec into different classes and abilities, like, typical to an RPG. Um, and there is an overarching plot that's pretty light, but I don't want to spoil it. Like, if you're going to play it, um there's a there's a big surprise i guess you could say oh. and then once you see the surprise you're kind of like oh i kind of you start to piece together kind of what's really going on it's one of those games so very cool this is something i, I might have to check out because it's almost like you're like two layers deep into the video game inception there all right this one this one should be super easy right for anyone can get this one i shouldn't say that all right blank and his blank companion blank are looking for dinosaur eggs blank has stolen and placed in seven castles Many secret exits aid Blank in finding his way to Blank's castle. Completing se- some with Yoshi. <laughs> completing seventy. 70- it- Did I play like finding the seven eggs? Why am I blanking on this? I feel like I should know it. Is it a Mario game? It, it is a Mario game. So that was finding okay. the seven castles. Okay. Let's see. Completing seventy-four areas and finding all ninety-six exits with multiple layers of three D scrolling. That is Mario World. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I just cleared that like two days ago. <laughs> and and this is something, you, you play this twice a year, once a year, at least once a time I, per playing, year? I, I end up playing it once a year, and I'm also extremely good at it, which is, like, I, I remember the first time I sat down with Colin, and I was like, you need to try this game, like, and, like, I was just, like, whizzing through the worlds, like, no no problem, and he was, like, dying all the time. And it's funny because, like, normally he's, like, really good at games, but I happen to be really good at platformers, so... Um. <laughs> So, and, and I mean, this is like, we, we can all agree, like, greatest game ever, right? Super Mario World? I mean, that's... Oh, easy. absolutely. That game is fantastic. Like, I, yeah, I love that game. And it's it, it still feels really good. Like, it feels really, like, responsive and snappy. And, like, there's a lot of really cool characters in it. And, like, it's it's weird. It's weirdly comforting. Like, it's like, it's like having a cup of warm cocoa. And I think it's because I've just cleared it so many times. And I have so many memories about it, so... Are you worried that they're going to remaster it or try to remake it? Or is that something like bring it on, try it, and then let's see how it goes? Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like if you're gonna do it, then give it a shot, right? You can't hurt. Um, and I mean, like, I think if Nintendo is gonna remake something, then they're gonna they're really gonna know what they're doing. Because um, I don't think Nintendo would just remake a game for no reason, right? I think they would feel like they can definitively like 
make the gameplay significantly better. Um, and I don't think they'll do it otherwise. So, but what about all the childhoods that they would ruin, Melissa? Think of the childhoods that that would. It's be only ruined. your childhood, Stephen. Oh, okay, only right. your childhood. Two, two more of these. Here's number five. This is this is this sounds like this is a fun game. All right. Getting a girlfriend before national college entrance exam. I know it's crazy, but from today, we will face everything together. And that's the description oh, of the game. It's like, um, some, it's a Chinese, like, visual novel game. And it yeah. was called something like, um, oh, what is, there's a Chinese word for final exams in high school, 300 days. It's something like that. Like, chin, 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 chin something. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give this to you because that is super close. So I, I think it's Gaio Kaio. Yeah. I don't speak oh, Japanese, yeah, that, but it's Gaiokao yeah, Love Gaio, 100 Gaio Days. Like, yeah, Ga, like I, I, that word basically means, from what I understand, like the final exams you take before college, and it tells you what kinds of colleges and universities you can get into. Huh. So the game was like kind of kind of crazy, actually, because it was like it was one of those games where, like, for the first hundred days, things are pretty chill, and then like you meet two girls, so and then like it's kind of like which one are you gonna end up getting with and then like at the 100 day and then like your parents are like being really strict with you and then at the 100 day mark like the difficulty ramps up like crazy and if you haven't done exactly the right things all the way up to that day something terrible basically happens to you so in my playthrough i um became homeless after getting in a giant fight with my father over me seeing a girl instead of studying and then i was homeless for three days and at the end of the third day a bum kicked me off my bench and as i crossed the road it was i was hit by a truck and i was in a coma for nine months. that sounds oddly like specific like wow. some developer like went through this and like i've just got to put this in the game this is how my life went <laughs> i hope not that sounds terrible it does yeah, sound terrible. terrible like I, yeah, so after that, I was kind of like, yeah, I get what this game's about. I think I can move on with my life. Because, like, I was, I remember, like, I read online about, like, the different paths and, like, what you have to do to get the good endings. Because there's, like, a bunch of endings in that game. There's, like, 27 or something. But the translation wasn't very good. Like, the translation was, like, kind of questionable. Um, so I was kind of like, I can, I can leave it. Very cool. All right. So this is the last one. So this one's for all the marbles, right? Here we go. Question number six. So blank is a challenging, gothic, roguelike, turn-based RPG about the psychological stress of adventuring, recruit, train, and lead a team of flawed heroes against unimaginable horrors, stress, famine, disease, and the ever-encroaching dark. Can you keep your heroes together when all hope is lost? That sounds awesome. I want to play that. You did play it. <laughs> you gave okay, it a really so, high score too. I, I want to say it's XCOM, but I know it's not XCOM. Nope, it's not XCOM. Well, so this, let's see. I don't know. How, I don't know how to give a clue without giving this one away. Other than say, it's like it's super popular. It's a very well reviewed game. Um, it's the another, first letter. Uh, that would give it away. Was it like was that like a a big box AAA game or was it an indie game? It was an indie game that is that is like Jettison the developer, like they're it's huge now and people oh, are like basing like, games off of of what they did. Oh okay. Uh, starts with a D. Starts with a D. I have no idea, which is really bad because like I feel like I should know what it is. So this it's, is this is Darkest Dungeon. Oh yeah, that game that game is really good. I really like that game. It's fun. Um, it's maybe I should revisit that actually. Sometime. I think I think with the it's other with the other games well. on your backlog though, Melissa. I mean that's you got a lot of games that you have to get through. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you both have games you play once a year, and I'm like, I don't know. That's 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 different. Uh, for me, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really go back to one game over and over again. That's interesting. Yeah, like there's only a few games that I do that with, like, and it's it's mostly just games that I, I like I played for the first time when I was like super super young. And I think it is just like the nostalgia value and kind of like how it makes you feel, like it reconnects you to kind of your youth and stuff. Because um, <laughs> like, oh, like I do think in general, like video games today are like a lot better than than they were back then, right? um 
like I and sometimes I will revisit really old games and it really puts stuff into perspective right <laughs> like of like there's a, a guy I used to work with um and it, his name I'll say like his name is Bruce so me and Bruce used to like hang out at his house and we'd play like really old video games and he had like a huge stockpile of NES games and um we had this in joke where he we he would put a random one in and we'd play it for a while and if it was bad he would just turn it off and then look at me and then just be like fifty dollars <laughs> <laughs> Mm. and there's no patching that bad those it's it's it came out bad and it stays bad there's no patching that there's no updates yeah basically well yeah it's like that miyamoto quote where if like you know what if you know like you can delay something like if a game is bad then it's pretty much bad forever right um and like you it's worth it to take the time to make a game really good um yeah and and i think revisiting certain games like like you said melissa it, it is the nostalgia for me but i think the the story in Final Fantasy VI and the character interactions, like playing through it, you realize that, okay, there's not a ton of dialogue between characters. A lot of that's mm. just kind of in my head what I built it up to be. But, you yeah. know, those small story beats with how short they were, they still left a huge impact. And I think that's something that we're always trying to chase, right? I want to feel like how I felt when I played Final Fantasy VI for the first time or I played Link's Awakening for the first time. And it's tough to yeah. try and chase that. And I think that's what a lot of, you know, developers want to build. They want people to have those emotions again because those are emotions they had and they're strong emotions. I mean, you played Halo. Like, how many times do you do you ever revisit Halo Combat Evolved, Devin? Uh, it's it's been a while for me, actually. Yeah. So, like, I played it a ton when I was in high school. Um, and then I I think the last time I played it was I, I bought the um, the Halo one, like, the remaster, the one where you could, like, press a button and see the old and new, yep. the, the old and new graphics. Um, so I played through that and I, I had a blast doing that, but I haven't really touched Halo since. Um, yeah. But it's crazy because like Halo is still like the definitive like shooter game to play if you're going to start like making a shooter, right? Yeah. Yep. It's so much right. Like it's just crazy. Um, yeah. The thing that always frustrated me was like uh, after Halo 2, like they, like Bungie for me created the perfect like online lobbies and everything else. And it really frustrated me when all these other games came out. And they, it's like, I don't know how you don't see what they've made. Why are you not just, they're like trying to reinvent something that was already perfected in, in, you know, kind of their matchmaking and their social scheme. And still to this day, the lobbies and those kind of things are crazy problems. And it, it drives me, you know, I don't understand why they, they don't just copy what was the best, you know, use the same features, adopt that into their game, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, I guess one one challenge the game industry does have is that, like, in terms of in terms of like UI UX, right? They tend mm-hmm. to be like a few years behind like other fields, such as like um, uh, the tech industry, the greater tech industry. And on top of that, like, the games industry does need to follow like different rules and like there's different problems they're trying to solve in the tech industry. Um, yeah. And there's actually like almost no good documentation or like no good books or like resources to really learn game UX. Um, it was funny because I was actually talking to like our uh, UX director at our studio about this like the other day and she was like yeah there's like one book that's good (laughs) and I was like I was like geez but it's like the same it's kind of the same for gameplay right like there's I I can't even think of a single book that I would recommend for gameplay design if you want to get started I would just say like just start building stuff just start trying like most of your the early stuff that you build is going to be like super derivative of whatever it is that you like right so yep. like just find something you're passionate about and start dissecting it and figure out why you like it. And, um, you know, especially if you can find ways to like um, improve or like iterate on what, what you already like, then that's like, you're already like a running start. Right. Um, and that's why you replay those games, Devin. So you go back and know, like, I know what you like. So it's funny because I can now say, well, the reason why I never finished that game is because I was just trying to learn about it. <laughs> then I move on. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's good. And, and I think like tools <laughs> nowadays, like if, if people want to start getting into games, like Unity is free, the Unreal Engine is free, and they've got so many tutorials that are just like, hey, like we built this for you to go ahead and start. Like you can load up a tutorial in Unreal and it's like, here's a person, you can jump around, you can move, here's the things that you can adjust. So, I mean, it's got to be easier than it ever has been to start designing your own games. In a, in a lot of ways it is. And there's also like a lot of mod tools. Like I, I often recommend to people, like if they're interested in making like getting into games or like understanding it more, like pick a game that you really like that has mod tools and then just start like modifying what exists. 
because like for example like you know even skyrim which is like it's been out forever at this point right but they have like the modding tools are available if you want to like mess around in like an rpg like an action rpg it's pretty it's a little bit dated now though um or like even like the sims accept mods if you want to get into some like light scripting and kind of like um you know see what it's like just see what it's like right um yeah um but it's true like unity and unreal get dramatically easier every year uh, making a game is still like very difficult very challenging um there's there's still like especially if you want to build something that's unique but like something that's truly unique um tends to be really really difficult um because there's no code that exists for your unique thing so they yeah. have to figure out how to make that work yeah. <laughs> which i i think is why like a lot of people's first games tend to be like oh you know like i downloaded this um I downloaded this tutorial on how to make a platformer in Unity, so I made a platformer in Unity in like six weeks, and yeah. like, but still, mad respect to you if you can pull that off, right? Um, yeah. you still made something. It's always cool when you you make something and you can play it, and it's like, all right, well now look at it. What's what do you want to improve and keep building upon that? Yeah, because you have um, to do it. No one else is going to do it for you, right? It's yep. true. It is true. And besides that, like, there's a lot like. Even if you just make a, like a game by yourself, right? If it's good and you put it out there, people are gonna notice. Like, I know a lot of people actually who like ship their own first game and put it on like Itchio or something, and then use that as leverage to get their first studio studio job. It's a really good way to go about it, um, especially if you want to be like a designer, right? Um, and it's it's pretty common for like if if a studio does expose their mod tools, it's pretty common for them to recruit um, from the modding community as well. Um, Unless so, you're like, Blizzard, know, like, then you never talk about people that made, you know, games in the <laughs> Warcraft 3 I engine. Guess. We're not talking about those people. Actually, because, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a whole different, that's a whole different subject, but, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, Melissa, um, so what's, what's next for you? When do we get to see, you know, game, de- you know, game lead, game designer, Melissa, at Bioware, working on <laughs> Dragon Age Six. I mean, is that well, is that I'm the not, next I'm step for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So maybe maybe that'll happen in the future. Um, I don't know when that would happen. Like we we're working on a really cool thing right now, and I'm uh, I'm important part of the creature team, and like I, I feel like we have a really great g- gameplay team, and like we're making a ton of progress, and um i'm really excited for what we're working on and i think people are going to lose their minds <laughs> like that's pretty much what it's going to come down to it's that good um i couldn't hype how, it up enough in a very how big hard way. is it to, like to work from home <laughs> What's like, that? Was, was it a big was it difficult to transition to working from home like right now with the situation that you're in i know you've been doing this for over a month now you know working from home is it it's a lot is it a lot different you know working from home um, trying to communicate I, with the other people on your team and I've done it a lot before and um, like, so like the transition for me personally, wasn't that bad. It was like, I was very shocked. You know what I mean? When I was like, Oh snap, this is like in my city and it's real now. Like that, that was hard for the first week. Um, and like worrying about like, like every, like all the people I care about, obviously and all that stuff. Right. Cause like, I have yeah. a lot of family back home in Ontario and a lot of them are in essential jobs. Like, you know, like they're in the, in the fire, like they're fire firefighters or they're like um, like, working with animals every day and they have to go see the animals or like stuff like that. Right. So, you know, like I, I worry about them. Um, but like the working from home thing is like not a big deal to me at all. Um, the, um, and, and like, I felt like the transition was pretty clean. Um, and EA has done an incredible job of supporting us, um, and the studio leadership at Bioware as well. Um, so it's, it's pretty much been a breeze. Like they, they pretty much were like, um they they let us settle in for a week and at the end of that week we were all pretty much ready to go and like we haven't really lost any um i feel like we haven't lost anything really like our pace has been the same and the reviews have been the same um so it's been it's been really good um that's awesome yeah i've been really lucky very cool excellent so melissa thank you so much for hanging out with us spending the time with us to chat about video games i think it's always fun to chat about video games and this crazy hobby that we do and the crazy job that you have in making video games i always tell people that hey anything that you need to have done in video games it takes two developers in two days that's it you can get anything done in that amount of time right that's i wish yeah make that, game button and exactly. like i just happen to have access to it and that's how i got this sweet job I press it every day <laughs> And then exactly. they're like, they're like, Mama, so you're you're amazing. Give her a raise and a promotion. <laughs> it's like I just got to keep hitting this single button over and over again. So, 
Um, <laughs> making games is hard. And for everyone that does that, for people like us that consume that, like, thank you for the time. It's because it has to be hard sometimes. I can imagine the amount of time, the um, sweat and tears and blood that is put into making a game as large as Anthem was. And, you know, for the team that's working on Dragon Age and the other projects that Bioware is working on, um, that's tough. So thank you very much for helping us have a hobby that we can enjoy. Um, we love talking about video games and it wouldn't, we wouldn't have that if it weren't for developers like you. So thank you for all your hard work. That's awesome. Yeah. And I really appreciate your guys' support. And like, I think you guys have a great community. Like I, I, yeah, I'm always thankful for anybody who's like, who loves what we're doing. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> no, and and it, it's always a highlight when we get to talk to team members because we know that there are actual people behind these games that are making them so we appreciate you melissa would you like to tell the people that are listening where they can find you if you want people to find you on twitter or if you just want to be like nope uh, i don't want to talk to anybody no no, no i'm <laughs> open I'm, I'm, I'm always open to talking to people um my my twitter is uh deed light so d-e-e-d-l-i-t-e um and i'm pretty active on there i mostly like retweet goofy video game things or talk about what games i'm playing or like tweet out pictures of cupcake because she's always like bugging me these days but you know i'm always i'm always like open to whoever wants to have a chat um especially about video games um so or like whatever project you happen to be working on i'm always excited to hear about other people's games so because there, awesome. there are a lot of good games out there. So there's there's not enough time to play all the games. Except for Melissa, you managed to play like 80 in like one year. So I don't know how you did that. But So thank you everyone for hanging out with us on episode 121 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. And we will see you next time. Hold on. Let's see. I lost. Where is it? Here it is. Here, There's the button. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Freelancer Codex. On Facebook at Freelancer Codex. Or through email at FreelancerCodex at gmail.com. Join the Discord through the link provided at FreelancerCodex.com. Our show will always be free, but if you'd like to send some support, you may do so at Patreon.com slash FreelancerCodex. Our individual Twitter handles are at Stephen Lamson, at MLamson25, at Neverfear, and at JD the Joke Dealer. Freelancers, it's time to get to work.